0: I never believed that I would have a voice again, but thanks to Anchor and their platform, I now have somewhere to share my story in the hopes that others are able to share their stories in their own time. Hey there, my name is Amanda, creator and producer of the podcast Surviving Has a Price. So today's episode is going to be a little different. I'd like to dedicate this episode to the incredible, incredible, an incredible woman. May your fierceness, fierceness, bravery, and optimism always help keep your head above water. You can move mountains with your your resiliency. Please never forget that, and please don't ever stop passing that lesson on to your students. (coughs) (coughs) I apologize. Unfortunately, I am, yet again, not feeling the greatest. So... This episode was inspired by someone I recently met within the past few months and listening to her talk and tell me about what's going on in her life currently and how she is still able to maintain a positive outlook and have... Some form of hope in inside of her right now is a very incredible feat in my mind and in my eyes because i I know what she's going through, unfortunately, I know the hardship she's facing, and I know how terrifying that that situation that she's in is, and that's what inspired me through this episode today. Um, I'm going to throw in a few side notes to begin that there will be quite a few quotes in this episode as I, I am an avid writer, an avid collector of words and stories and these quotes that I'm choosing for this episode are very spot on and I hope that Of all the episodes that I do, this episode in particular makes you stop and think why it is difficult for those of us who have been through such traumas to talk about our traumas. (coughs) So, I'd like to start off with a part of a quote, and that quote is... I never want to be called resilient again and the word resilient means you're able to withstand or get over something or recover quickly from a difficult condition now a lot of people a lot of people see resilience in when you are injured from a sport and you are you were injured but you get back up and play that is seen as resilience uh losing someone that you care for deeply like a spouse or a parent or a sibling or a child quote unquote getting over that and keeping going forward is seen as resilience and in my personal experience the second half of that quote is more apt than the beginning of that quote even though it is true. I'm exhausted by strength I want support. I want softness. I want ease. I want to be amongst kin. Not pat on the back for how well I take a hit or for how many. I'm going to butcher this poor woman's name the author of said quote. Suddenly ashi l'oreal brown i believe is her name and this is all very the second half of this quote is very accurate especially the lines not padded on the back for how well i take a hit or for how many <coughs> and i say that because i know i i try i i, I try and the script my podcast episodes before I do them because I find having a rough outline of what I'm going to say is more helpful than flying blind. Um, I actually had to restart this restart recording this episode five times already now. This is my fifth take. Um because I didn't I couldn't remember what I was my intro for a minute there. And I floundered for a good 30 seconds before I could remember what the words were. And having my notes and my bullet points, they're helpful. And I think that's that's something that is, for me at least, something that will help with explaining, hopefully, from my point of view. So I hate the I hate being called resilient and for the sole fact that there is also another wonderful quote that you see a lot on Facebook for those of you that have social media. Um, it's called I was a child, I didn't need to be strong, I needed to be safe. And that is so, so accurate in so many ways. Um <laughs> The first one that comes to mind is my mother and I. My now I've, I don't think I've shared this. I know I've shared that I was raised by my great-grandparents. What I don't think I've shared is that my mother gave me to them around my first birthday and said, here you go, you know, take her. Um, Because my grandparents threatened to go to court and fight for me. And my mother, not wanting to relinquish total control of me, decided to give me to her grandparents to raise for the first 13 years of my life. And I intermittently <coughs> saw her throughout my childhood. Um, I have a younger sibling who I, for safety reasons, won't you know name how far apart we are in age or anything like that. But, you know, a a good more than five years. um, I had to continuously see her being cold with me, consistently never choosing me, constantly choosing my sibling, whether it be mundane things like food, clothing, things like that, (coughs) Um, her attention, which usually when I had it, I was being yelled at in some way, um, anything like that, it was very difficult, and that, that really led into the second thing, was abuse, uh, when we did see one another, she was very abusive towards me, uh, emotionally and physically, physically, she, she kinda, within reason, uh, let sleeping dogs lie. When I was about thirteen or so when I moved in permanently with them. I uh I don't remember as I got older many instances of physical violence or physical abuse with her. It was a lot of that when it was when I was younger and I'd say first grade, kindergarten, first grade. Um Emotionally, she she still knows what buttons to push, unfortunately, to be seen as abusive. And unfortunately, she will never change her behavior. So we're going to skip ahead many, many years to about 13 to 16-ish. Oh, yes, 13 to 16-ish. Kill harm, uh, anorexia, uh, suicide attempt were all things that I struggled with at once. Um, Death was also something I was experiencing for the first time in my life and and on the later side of those three years. uh, And that was something that I did not feel as though I could ever handle quite properly as it was so sudden, I had no forewarning, I was blindsided and unfortunately that is not something I see as a resilient thing that I went through. Um, Other people do have told me how, you know, at the time I was so resilient for handling it so well, when in all actuality I was not handling it very well at the time. (coughs) Now, self-harm, the anorexia, the, uh, yeah, well, no, self-harm and anorexia, really, those were things that I built up over time that I dealt with on a daily basis for, years um I think self-harm was about six years maybe give or take um anorexia now with that I I have since restored my weight I don't have the mental part of it where it's like I have a tiny little voice in the back of my head saying, don't eat that. How many calories are X? I don't have that anymore. Um, I have the flip side of it where I have no appetite 90% of the time. And of that 10% of the time I do, I'm usually nauseous when I eat and... If I'm not, I just, I genuinely don't want anything, unfortunately, and I know I have to eat because I have a toddler and he needs to see me and we eat dinner together every night, and sometimes that's hard because I know I'm genuinely not hungry, but I have to eat. <sighs> Sorry about that. I needed a drink. so we're gonna again skip ahead to a few years later so this was about 1516 now here on out kind of starts another quote that i deeply love and i know (laughs) most of you don't know me in real life listening to this but for those that do know i am an avid world war 2 history fan-, fan and the holocaust is probably by far my most watched and searched up documentary list out there and the quote that i'm about to share with you as a survivor of many things i wish i c- <clears throat> sorry <clears throat> Uh, I wish I could explain to you what this quote means and how true it is. Most survivors of atro- atrocities are afraid that if they talk about it, they will fall apart. Eva Kor, surviving the angel of death, the true story of a Mengele twin in Auschwitz. So for me, uh, at this point in my life, 15, 16 roughly, I had began to become stalked by my rapist when I was a teenager. Uh, I was then sexually assaulted and then raped. Now this this incident or abuse or whatever you choose to call it lasted for four years. And this was probably the most traumatizing thing that I have ever experienced. Uh, even on top of the, you know, the trafficking, I feel as though the trafficking, even though it was traumatic in its own way, and for a hundred different reasons, a hundred, you know, more complex reasons that I really have time to explain in the next 15 minutes that I usually do for my episodes, um, it- I just felt this instance as a teenager in high school, this was the most traumatic Now you know that may change in you know a few years when I go back and look at all the things I've gone through with this subject, but that for me at the time was the most terrible feeling in the world that I experienced as I had no one. I felt as though I could not safely and openly express what happened to me to anyone in my life. Uh because I had tried I had tried very hard to I had tried reaching out to online resources and you know <coughs> telling them that I I needed help. I I had this situation happen and I really wasn't sure what to make of it and I I know I was hurt and I needed help, but I wasn't sure where to go to, and I remember pretty immediately being victim blamed and getting asked, well, what were you wearing? What were you doing? Were you drinking? And it's like, no, I was a 16-year-old high school student walking home from her bus stop in the fall uh, in cooler weather. Uh, trying to mind her own business and all of a sudden this kid that you hardly know came up behind you and started messing with you and a lot of people don't realize that you know that while it it does yes it does sound tame and so much lesser than some of the things I've talked about and or you know hinted at that I've gone through it still a very traumatic experience that I hope you don't take light of as, you know, every every trauma survivor would to what one person may view as trauma, another may be, you know, oh that's nothing. And everyone has a different pain threshold. Physically I have been told I have an amazing pain threshold and I laugh every time because with some things, it's terrific. Tooth pain is not one of them. <laughs> Thankfully, I currently am in no pain. I am expecting to get three extractions done, a few uh, cavities filled, unfortunately. But so far, so good with the pain. So, the next uh, point, I guess, I'll highlight is my high-anxiety PTSD and comma my ADHD diagnosis so my super high anxiety and PTSD really really picked up um I'd say when I was about 19 maybe 1920 ish Um, nothing specific happened at this time that really made it pick up. It was just kind of in the back of, you know, everything. And unfortunately, there had been times where I had run into my rapist at the time. And I, I didn't handle it well. And I had some severe PTSD reactions to having to deal with him. And, um... That is definitely, in its own right, also highly traumatizing. I actually I saw a really fantastic quote that I wish I could pull up so I can get word for word for you. It was from, I want to say Instagram, I think I saw it on. It basically said, you know, I actually know it was Facebook and I think I can get it word for word. So the quote goes, you know, trauma survivors don't avoid people, places, things, memories, emotions, feelings, you know, that sort of thing, because it upsets us. We avoid it because it lights our nervous system up like a forest fire. And in the next paragraph it goes, a forest fire that can sometimes take days, weeks, or months to put out. And I wish I could say that... My high anxiety and my PTSD did not affect me like that, but they affect me like that. They affect me like that more often than not, and I think one of the hardest things about that is not feeling crazy, as it's a common feeling and a common I can't believe this is what's running through my mind right now. This isn't something that's happening. It's actually uh, pretty funny. I had been talking to my therapist uh, earlier this week, and I had mentioned to her how my prior therapist, um, when I lived in the state I was trafficked in, um, we had done, we had been working on something with, on. Uh, rational and irrational thoughts do kinda help deal with my anxiety. And it was working actually really well. And I had mentioned it to her and I had said to her, you know, this is something that I've noticed to an extent helps me. And I'm definitely willing to go back to this and give it a try because Lord knows I've been suffering recently with this, with my anxiety and my PTSD, I've been suffering pretty badly. Um, so I also mentioned with this point my ADHD diagnosis in February of this year. I was diagnosed with inattentive ADhD so what that means for me at least is I have a very hard time focusing. I constantly am moving from place to place to place, to thing to thing, to thing to action to action to action um I constantly have music on to that's most that's also a anxiety and a PTSD thing but I constantly have music on to help me focus. <clears throat> Sorry, I need another drink. Um at work especially I am most infinitely and commonly known for using uh, utilizing the speaker that we have in our classroom to play music in the morning because or throughout the day in general because I like the sound and I like the relaxing tones it gives off even though most of my music is not quite relaxing <coughs> my ADHD diagnosis uh so my again my prior therapist uh when we lived in the place we were tra- I was trafficked in Uh, suggested when I had had to leave her, unfortunately, suggested I be tested for ADHD, as I showed her some things during our sessions that made her think that that would be something that, would help me better understand myself and would make more sense to me and i agree with her as it did and it does it helps me understand tremendously some things about myself that excuse me that i hadn't before uh and i mean it has helped don't get me wrong it has helped tremendously in some ways in others it is very frustrating as I cannot take a traditional ADHD medication to help me focus or quiet the racing thoughts that are constantly, constantly going through my brain. And some days that is very hard. Other days I'm very thankful that I cannot take that medication. So the next point, um, I, I know I've touched on this in my podcast before my pregnancy loss uh my first loss actually that again is also one of the most traumatic experiences I have ever had um losing my baby losing my baby was something that I never imagined or envisioned myself having to experience as I thought at the time I had been doing everything right and everything I was supposed to be doing in terms of taking care of myself, taking care of my growing child and to come to find out that no, granted I did not know it, but I did inadvertently cause my loss. Uh that is widely due to my anorexia i developed as a teenager and still at the time of my loss suffered from in a few different ways so the next point to that is trafficking and getting pregnant (laughs) the whole point of my podcast as i said the sexual assault and rape as a teenager It was far more traumatizing than the trafficking. What made the trafficking so bad for me personally was the fact that I got pregnant and that my child was now being subjected to the same torment that I was, just in a different way. I don't know the... Scientific word I've heard of it a lot this week actually. Um, I don't know the scientific words for it. Where his cells are in my body, and my cells are in his body. And my son, although he was not earth side technically for my experience being trafficked, he did not witness anything, um, me being abused in any way or harmed. He still experienced what I did, but in a different way. Just because he was not here with me does not mean he did not suffer the effects of what I went through. So after my son was born, I developed postmortem anxiety. Uh, I could not put my son down for the first four months of his life. I could not leave my son for her the first six months of his life. Uh, That in itself was incredibly hard. (coughs) As everyone I spoke to, everyone I talked to, everyone I tried to make understand why I was suffering and why I felt as though I felt like a crazy person. Uh, No one wanted to listen. Everyone just saw you know, a healthy baby and a seemingly healthy mom, and said, Oh, they're fine, and left me on my weir- merry way. When in all reality, I was suffering to the point I was not sleeping, I was hardly eating. I, my anorexia got so bad that I had, str- I had struggled. Now my little one had a tongue tie as a baby. Um, And even though that was an issue with nursing, I had a difficult time eating much of anything to the point that I lived off of fruit and peanut butter sandwiches for probably the first five months of my son's life. Uh, Now, this is something I, I don't think I've talked about much, but escaping trafficking, that was a nightmare in itself. I don't think I've ever said it and I know I've said it to friends, but the only reason I'm alive is my son. And I say that not to garner sympathy, but to make you understand that had I not gotten pregnant with my son, I would very likely end up dead because of the trafficking, uh, Trafficking victims only have a seven-year life expectancy. I was trafficked for two and a half years. Uh, I was almost on my halfway point. <laughs> um, so, with with escaping trafficking, I I did not. <sighs> I focused on my son when I got when I got out when I we were at safe when we were in safety. Uh, I focused solely on everything I could do for him, not so much myself. I did did continue my therapy appointments as that was for, you know, him, his sake. He needed a healthy, as much as humanly possible mom to care for him, and I was trying to give him that. Trying, not quite succeeding. Uh, So I have also mentioned, I believe... I have had two other pregnancy losses. Sorry. <coughs> um, one when my son was approximately nine months old. And then another when he was a little over a year old. Uh, now both of these losses were were not surprises um they they were not they were planned the pregnancies were planned well in advance um but my losses were surprising and dramatic for both of them and for many reasons that may not be understandable to a lot of people as to why they would be traumatic but for someone who has lost children already, it, it brought up, you know, all those emotions I felt when I lost my first and then also when I had my son. Um, the fear, the anxiety, the what am I going to do if I lose this baby too, all of that. So another big, big thing that I feel is likely seen as resilience, quote unquote, is when threats to our safety were made to my son, mostly to my son. Uh, I mean, I have been threatened so many times. It has become second nature. Uh, I hear it and I don't really blink an eye. I hear it towards my son. I am ready to fight, ready, ready to defend him in any way possible and when that threat happened to his safety I did what any good mother would do and I got him out of that situation and before doing that I have been labeled a terrible mother a terrible daughter a terrible human being uh, by my family even though they were the reason that we had to leave. Well, part of the reason. I say all this to help you understand why survivors are seen as resilient. Because if I said this to a quote-unquote normal person or someone who has not gone through such extensive trauma they would say oh you know you are so resilient you are so strong um a coworker of mine a while ago said to me of course you did it you have no other choice of course you were able to you know get through it you have no other choice and when she said that to me I, I smiled because she got it she understood she understood that I had no other choice because it is never going to be about me again. My resiliency comes from my son. Everything I do is. every step I take forward is because of him. And more often than not, I am absolutely terrified of some of these steps forward I have to take. And that is going to kind of lead into a point uh, asterisk, a asterisk to star a note that i'd like to point out that survivors of trauma especially sex trafficking sexual assault domestic violence abuse need absolutely need a safe realistic nurturing environment where they can talk about that trauma that they've experienced and feel validated in that trauma without being gaslit by someone whether that's someone be family, a friend, um a therapist though. I I don't think I've really encountered too many therapists that are like that, but still, you know, just not a lot of people have that. I am very lucky enough to have a wonderful therapist and in equally wonderful supportive staff where I work that knows about what happened to me Uh, for the most part a good portion of the staff does anyway and they are absolutely so helpful Um, you know they have offered to help me find resources for my little one for clothing and stuff like that Uh, different resources for us in general my caseworker through where i attend therapy has also been able to help with that we have so many resources now and i'm just finding that you have to really really search out your your bubble your village quote-unquote especially when you have survived you know such a significant trauma because without doing so You are going to be stuck in a cycle of suffering over and over and over again. And that's not fair to you, that's not fair to anyone. I hope that to all the people listening, if you resonate with this episode, you reach out and you feel comfortable sharing a little bit of why you resonate, a little bit of your story. Uh, Even leaving, you know, just a note of saying, you know, thank you or anything like that. I would love to hear from you. Uh, I will link the email that you could reach me at in the show notes. Um, I don't think that I have anything else to say tonight. Uh, It is actually semi-late um it's been a kind of a hectic week and I needed some downtime downtime which as a another side note I have been under some well I've been having a really hectic work schedule honestly and also I've been under a little bit of personal stress um everything's okay you know my little one and I are safe it's just personal everything is so overwhelming and dealing with the holidays and such everything has been a cluster of one thing at a time all at once unfortunately so that is why I have not updated in really a month almost but I am looking forward to doing many many new episodes uh, I will be doing another one sometime this weekend for probably air date monday and then another before the weeks and for christmas all right i hope you guys have a wonderful night stay safe stay healthy good night